0: Well, good evening, everybody. It's good to see you. We're uh, we're going to be in John chapter 10. If you want to turn there in, in your Bibles, that'd be great. John chapter 10. I uh, had to step out a minute ago. I, I looked at my notes. I'm like, I'm missing some of my notes. And I failed to print my scriptures out. So I went by and printed them real quick, and we're good to go. But we're in John chapter 10. And uh, and it, we're building off. I'm, I'm covering a couple weeks here. And uh, we're going to go through... The first 21 verses of John chapter 10 uh, together, but we're going to break it up into two weeks. And this is, this is playing off of our sermon series on the 23rd Psalm, right? The Lord is my shepherd. So we're going to talk about Jesus as a shepherd uh, in more detail. And, and I shared part of this passage uh, on Sunday morning, uh, but now we get to kind of pull it apart a little more and, and to check it out. So we're in John chapter 10, and I want to read uh, what we're going to cover tonight. And that's verses 1 through, I think it's 10, 1 through 10, where we at, right? Right there. Jesus speaking, he says, "'Truly, I tell you, anyone who doesn't enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in some other way, is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens it for him, and the sheep hear his voice.' He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought all his, his own outside, he goes ahead of them. The sheep follow him because they know his voice. They will never follow a stranger. Instead, they will run away from him because they don't know the voice of strangers. Jesus gave them this figure of speech, but they did not understand what he was telling them. So Jesus said again, Truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep didn't listen to them. I am the gate. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. A thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come so they might have life and have it in abundance. Would you pray with me before we get started here? Father, we thank you so much for your word and and God that it is living and active. That God, you use it to sharpen us, and God, you use it to convict us, and, and God, we desire to know you more. So tonight, as we look at your word, as we discuss, and God, as we study, God, I pray you'd open our hearts to be receptive to your correction and to your grace, to your leading and prompting. We, we know that the Holy Spirit is ready to guide if we would yield our hearts. So God, let us, let us feast now on your word, on the truth of your word, that we would be forever changed by it. And we pray in Jesus' name, Amen. All right, so we're going to look at this a little more about a shepherd. Before we do that, I have a question to start us off. What are some of the titles that have been given to Jesus? What are some of the titles given to Jesus? Maybe if you're at home, you can be thinking about that as well. What are some titles given to Jesus? King of of kings, what over here? Yahweh, Lord, right? What else? Teacher, shepherd, great high priest. Great high priest. Lamb of God, yeah, Jehovah. Jehovah, okay, yes, Yahweh, yeah. What else? Redeemer, Redeemer. Savior. Savior, Healer, Healer. Christ. Christ, the Christ, the Messiah, right? What's over here? Lion of Judah. The Lion of the tribe of Judah, yes. Good, a lot, of, a lot of names for Jesus. I'm going to read through a few also, and this is only about a third of the ones listed in Scripture. But amazing, the titles given to Jesus. This this ordinary man who people think was just an ordinary man, right? People think, oh, just Jesus was a good teacher. He was much more than that, as we see him described in Scripture. He is the Amen. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the author of salvation. He is the bread of life. He's the cornerstone. He's the counselor, the comforter. He is called Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. He's called the Great High Priest. He's called Emmanuel. He's called the Great I Am. King of Kings, Lord of Lords, the Lamb of God. He's called the Light of the World, the Messiah, the Bright and Morning Star. He's called the Resurrection and the Life, the Root and Descendant of David. He's called the Savior, the Sunrise from on high. He's called the True Vine, he's called the way, the truth, and the life, and he's called the Word. And again, that's just a third of them. We could go on for another few minutes. It's amazing the titles that Jesus holds. And and tonight, as we look and as we look over the next few Sundays, we're looking as at Jesus, the Lord, as shepherd. You have all these wonderful grand titles, but if we miss the fact that he is our shepherd, we have missed the shepherd himself. So tonight I want to dig deeper into that. I want to look at that. Uh, a little more uh, reverent, reverently and maybe open about that. So this is enduring title, uh, He's Called Shepherd. I want to go a couple places. Turn with me if you can, just keep your ribbon in John. Go to Matthew chapter 2. We're going to see a few places where, where Jesus is called shepherd and um, we're going to talk about why He's called shepherd. So Matthew chapter 2 and we're going to look at verses 5 and 6 together. This is Herod speaking to uh, the wise guys and all their counsel and trying to figure out where, where and who is this to be born. And they, and they quote a prophecy, right? In Bethlehem of Judea, they told him, because this is what was written by the prophet. So of Jesus was written by the prophet hundreds of years before Jesus. And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, because out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. So often we have that time where we, have, we say he's a ruler, he's a king of kings, he's, he's God, he's the great I am, which are all true, but we miss the fact that he's there to shepherd. He's, he is God, he's the ruler of, over Israel, but he's there as a shepherd to shepherd my people Israel. Uh, Peter writes about it in 1 Peter chapter 2, it says about Jesus, "...he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, so that having died to sins, we might live to righteousness." By his wounds you have been healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but now have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Isn't that amazing? What an amazing promise that is. That there's a shepherd and overseer of our souls. It's not only that he is this, this righteous judge and holy God, and, and, and a lot of people leave it at that, right? What, what, let me, here's a question to throw in here. What happens when we take out shepherd and we only leave him as all those other names. What what happens? What'd you say? What do you mean? Well, so if, if if I'm to think of Jesus as all of these things and a shepherd, a shepherd who is says here is an overseer of my soul. He shepherds and oversees my soul. If I take out that job, that function, what happens? Well, who, is the overseer of it? who who oversees? Who shepherds? What are your thoughts over here? It puts distance between us, right? Yeah, there's no, there's no relationship there. It, it lacks that relationship. He, he may have even came and died for us, but then he left and he's gone, and we could, we're, we're at it on our own. And so many times we, we view him that way, don't we? The world views him that way, for sure. The, the ones that are just kind of curious about God say, oh, yeah, he's far off. It's like he, he created everything and left it spinning, and, and maybe he died for us and left us to do what we need to do. But it's so much more than that when he's our shepherd. There's a, a, a personal connection that's derived from that, and that's that's so important for us to understand. It goes on. Peter goes on. It goes on in chapter five. He says, uh, "And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive unfading crown of glory." Uh, I, I love this passage for me because I I've, I often balk at the title of senior pastor, right? Because what do I believe? I believe that Jesus is the senior pastor, the chief shepherd, and any elder or pastor in a church is only an under shepherd serving the Lord Jesus, as the chief shepherd. So I, I, I never like to say senior pastor, and I, I know there's churches that have those, but we have lots of gifted elders in our church who are all under shepherds of the chief shepherd. Right? He is the chief shepherd, and, and what an example he is to the shepherds he installs. Right? Um, uh, one more verse out of Revelation. Just talking about the end and judgment, and, and uh, I'm going to start at verse 14 in chapter 7. Uh, towards the end of that verse, he says, Then he told me, th- These are the ones coming out of the great tribulation, and they washed their robes and made them white in, the, white in the blood of the Lamb. So there's this cleansing that takes place because of Christ's victory through his death and shedding of blood. And it goes on, it says, For this reason, they are before the throne of God, and they serve him day and night in his temple. The one seated on the throne will shelter them. So here's some attributes that we see happening to those he loves, his sheep. They will no longer hunger they will no longer thirst, uh, the sun will no longer strike them, nor will any scorching heat. Why? Because the one that's seated on the throne is sheltering them, and it goes on in verse 17, for, or because the lamb who is at the center of the throne will shepherd them. So there's this, this care and protection, this sheltering them is shepherding them. He will shepherd them, he will guide them to springs of the waters of life, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There's this amazing relationship that God Almighty has with his people, as a shepherd has with their sheep. And, and we're going to look more closely at that uh, tonight as we look through this passage of John chapter 10. Now, when we looked at this, there's, this is a continuation of, of what's happened in John chapter 9. So we see, we see the same crowds that were there in chapter 9 are there still present. And, and some of those, the disciples are there, the, the formerly blind beggar is there, the hostile Pharisees are there, and then the ever present crowd who's listening in. And so Jesus is talking now about this relationship that he has with his people, right? That, that he, the shepherd, has with, with the sheep. And, he, and he, this first section, verses 1 through 10, is really Jesus contrasting himself with all the false shepherds. So he says, I'm the good shepherd, right? I'm the shepherd of the sheep, and, and I'm going to contrast myself with all the, all the bad shepherds. Now, here's what we understood about that, right? What, what do we see? If Jesus is saying there are bad shepherds, what does that imply for us? Keep an eye out. Keep an eye out. Watch out. Watch who's leading you. Watch who has your heart, you know, I, I, I talk about you know, dating advice, or I used to a lot when I was a youth pastor, right? But I, I, I really do believe this, even in marital advice. But premarital, you're talking about getting married and getting in that place. You have to find someone who's going to, to really take care of your heart, right? But you've got to find someone who loves Jesus more than they love you. And you've got to find someone who's going to look after your heart as well. So we want that kind of relationship. Who's looking after my heart? Who's shepherding that? And, and, who's, and where, where are the affections of my heart lying? Because I tell you, in this world, we, we're distracted by all kinds of things, aren't we? All kinds of things uh, distract us away from the good shepherd, the chief shepherd, towards false shepherds. So understanding there's a contrast here between Jesus. It's not just you know, superstar Jesus and then obviously bad people. Jesus installed shepherds. God said, you should be shepherds of my people. And we'll see how they went astray here uh, in just a moment. So uh, we see him say in the first part, of it, he says, truly, truly, yours, or truly, I tell you. Uh, this statement is a really affirmative statement now listen up. This is, this is super duper important. This is very reliable information. It's a statement of notable importance. You must hear. You must listen. And as he contrasts now, he contrasts the, himself to the false shepherds. He shows a couple things. He says, one, he's the true shepherd. These are kind of the two main things we're looking at today. One, that he's the real true shepherd. And two, that he's the only door to the sheepfold. It's really important that he says both of those things about himself as he contrasts himself to false shepherds, right? So if he's the true shepherd, that means everyone that he's talking about is a false shepherd. And if he's the only way through the gate, he's the only door through the sheepfold, that means that there is what? There's one way. That means there's no other way. There's no other way into the sheepfold. There's only this gate. And any other way is someone is trying to destroy and seek out and, and rob and kill. And we'll see that as well. We saw that in that passage. He says, truly, I I tell you, he says, truly, uh, he who does not enter by the door of the fold of the sheep but climbs in some other way is a thief and a robber. That's a sharp contrast, isn't it? There's the shepherds who are taking care and tending. There's a gatekeeper we see here, a hired hand. But the rest of them who are trying to get in another way are not shepherds. They're, They're false shepherds. Interestingly enough, each village would have this uh, in the Shepherding regions here. They'd have they'd have folds in their village. A fold is a protected area, enclosed area where the sheep would all go in, and they'd be in this big big pen, right? And they they would stay there overnight, and they'd have a gatekeeper that would at least keep watch. Oftentimes, the shepherds would stay there as well, and it was a really important place that the sheep would come in out of out of pasture. They'd come in to rest, and they'd be protected at night if if they had that capability. Sometimes they were just out out in the in the pastures, right? Out in the fields. So like we see in, in Luke, when we see the shepherds, where were they at at night? They were out keeping watch over their flocks by night, right? But, he, but each village would have a fold that you could fold your sheep into, the sheep fold. They were kept there at night, and um, they'd graze, and they'd come down, and that's, that's where they'd stay. And in that time, there, there was oftentimes the, the, the shepherd, maybe that was their time for rest. That, they hit that town that week, and like, I'm going to go take a rest. I'm going to go clean up, and the, the gatekeeper would be there, right? So the shepherd would lead the sheep in and the sheep would be inside and the gatekeeper would be there keeping watch. And it said the gatekeeper wouldn't let anybody else in except for the shepherd of the sheep. He knew who they were. And, and later in a few little while, even the sheep would know the voice of their own shepherd. It's an important thing that, that uh, we see only the one who entered by the door was the shepherd of the sheep because he could come to the gatekeeper. The gatekeeper would recognize and know and the sheep would also recognize and know. And that was the shepherd. It was all above board. It was all to protect, to protect the sheep. So important. How do we, how do we as sheep, or, or why do we as sheep oftentimes receive someone who may not be coming through the gate? Because they're wolves in sheep's clothing, right? Yeah, they, look right. they look right. Maybe they smell right. What we're going to find, though, in a few minutes, is they don't sound right at all. Though, they might look right. They might smell like they they walk like a duck. They quack like a duck, but they don't really. They they aren't a duck, right? They're not ducks, (laughs) right? Here's here's a verse I want to uh, to read out of Jeremiah. There's some passages here as he talks and makes this transition and makes this contrast. It's really important for us to know what 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 are we talking about? These these thieves. He's contrasting with this crowd. And oftentimes, when he speaks in parables or stories, he is he is pointing out the very people in the crowd, right? There's probably a lot of sheep in that crowd, people who are going to have faith and trust in Christ. They're going to be his sheep. There are certainly a lot, there are already sheep, disciples that are there. And then there are those who are false sheep, the robbers, right? People who were supposed to shepherd Israel, but were not doing so, they became a false sheep. And it was all in what they said and how they said it. So the thieves and robbers represent the self-appointed Pharisees, those Jewish, Jewish religious leaders Who Jesus said were doing the work of their father, the devil, and not God. And they're the ones that would climb the walls of the sheepfold into this with a spiritual, like spiritually looking fleece of themselves, saying, I'm I'm going to, I'm going to be here to save you and rescue you. And but they'd go into slaughter the people at their, their own expense. A couple of passages. We see Jeremiah 50, verse 6, and it says this: My people were lost, sheep. Their shepherds led them astray, guiding them the wrong way in the mountains. They wandered from mountain to hill. They forgot their resting place. Man, it's so, so important for us to know who false teachers are and who aren't. Why? Let me ask this. How? How do, how do God's sheep forget their resting place? They don't listen to their shepherd's voice, sure. But these sheep indicated they were lost because their shepherds led them astray. How, how are we led astray like that? Temptation. What's that? Temptation. Temptation. Okay. Yeah, maybe we get into a place that maybe something seems more satisfying to us. Sure. and so your resting place you forgotten how great it is over there right until you go back there right and and remember what it was like what it was supposed to be like right uh, so what what susan susan's saying is that we get we get kind of desensitized in the world until we come back and taste and see and that's so important for us to understand when we we wander off and we we aren't around and listen th- I, i've said this a lot of times i'm not trying to beat a dead horse here but during, during the shelter-in-place thing, and, we're, and everyone's kind of gone from church because everything everyone was shut down, that is a very, very dangerous place to be, away from the body of Christ, away from the teaching of the scriptures. Because when we're away, we're still listening, we're still learning, we're still taking things in, we still have to be in the world, and that world is going to swallow us alive. So it's so important for us to be in a place where we we are accountable. We are iron sharpening iron. We are being encouraged as the body of Christ and we're being encouraged from the word of God. Uh, one of the, I mean, and we'll talk about this more on Sunday about our, our nourishment. We, we're in verse two of Psalm 23. But the, the whole premise of God being our sustenance and giving us everything we need to make us lie down in green pastures and to, and to be able to, to, to feast and be nourished and then to go, go to springs of life, to still waters. He that leaves me beside quiet or still waters. There's refreshment there, replenishment there. There's cleansing that happens there. And those things are by his spirit and by the word of God. And if we aren't in the word, the spirit is waning in us as well. So when we're, when we're not in church, we're not around God's people, we're not in God's word, it, we are going to suffer and we're going to be easily led astray, even by what sounds right, what sounds appropriate, and it's not appropriate. It's so important for us to understand. And, and the fact that there are false shepherds out there. So we need to be on guard. I want to read a passage out of Ezekiel because he's dealing with this. He's dealing with, there's these false teachers out there. Not only have my people become lost sheep, but there's false teachers guiding them to falsehood and and for their own benefit. You think about tradition and and how the Pharisees even lived and worked. They they were developing their own traditions, their own rules that were taught and made up by man. They were they were throwing over and lording over the people, the sheep. You, know, you need to obey these things that we have thought up our own, by our own self. You need to obey these rules that are actually ours and not God's. And, and the people followed along because we're dumb sheep. And we're, not, we're supposed to be led by shepherds and shepherded by people who aren't false, evil shepherds, but are godly. But it's still our responsibility as we are led there to be led ultimately by the chief shepherd, Jesus, and by his word and test everything Against it. But but Jesus had, or the Lord had, God had some really harsh words to say in Ezekiel. And you can read more of this on your own, but I'm going to read six verses of Ezekiel 34. So the word of the Lord came to me, son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, this is what the Lord God says to the shepherds. Woe to the shepherds of Israel who have been feeding themselves. Shouldn't the shepherds feed their flock? You eat the fat, wear the wool, and butcher the fattened animals, but you do not tend the flock. You have not strengthened the weak, healed the sick, bandaged the injured, brought back the strays, or sought the lost. Instead, you have ruled them with violence and cruelty. They were scattered for lack of a shepherd. They became food for all the wild animals when they were scattered. My flock went astray on, the mount- on, all-, on all the mountains and on every high hill. My flock was scattered over the whole face of the earth and there was no one searching or seeking for them. I tell you what, as a pastor, this, this is a convicting passage of scripture to me because this is what God expects of his shepherds, his under shepherds, right? He sets that example and that bar of compassion and, and guidance and protection and he hands that over as well to under shepherds who will, who will serve in that way. And so it's it, if I want to test myself, I go here. How, how am I doing here? Am I, am I doing what God's called me to do? Or are God's people wandering aimlessly all about the hills? But it was pretty harsh because he knew that they were so far off. It wasn't even that they were trying and they just slipped up. that They were, they were wanting to lead people astray. They were wanting to have their own selfish gain at hand here. And he, and he had a lot, of, a lot of bad to say. He goes on in judgment talking to them as well. So not only was it the false shepherds, though, that there were false prophets all around. And, uh, and, and when we say this, so there's the false shepherds who are wolves in sheep's clothing. I mean, they look right. They seem like this is the person we should trust. And, and, and then there's false teachers. The false teachers are just bad. They are just coming to, to steal, kill, and destroy. They're coming to wreak havoc. They're coming to make you question and doubt everything about who Christ is. We see that Jesus cautioned in Matthew, beware of the false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. Paul warned uh, the elders when he, when he talked to the uh, elders of the Ephesian church. He says, I know after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. There were people wanting to prey on, on those sheep, saying, listen, you're, you're all brainwashed. You're all part of a cult. You need to get out of that and come drink our Kool-Aid. That's what they were doing. And they were going to have their way with, with the, the flock. And, and so he says to the elders, be be aware. No, this is going to happen. Peter wrote, he said, false prophets arose among you, among the people, uh, just as there will also be false teachers among you uh, who will secretly introduce destructive heresies, and even denying the master who brought uh, who, who bought them, uh, bringing swift destruction upon themselves. It, it, it's, it's crazy. We have to watch. We have to keep a careful watch on what we see and what we're being taught and does it line up with the word of God it's so important it's so important that you test me and every other teacher that's here speaking you test it you test the spirit you test it with scripture does what we're saying line up with scripture and if it does not we need to be confronted on that and held accountable because this is the authority there's it's not just a person it's the authority of God here uh, one more verse, just, just thinking through, that'll lead on. John, uh, in First John, he, he, there, we're writing there, there's, um, dear friends, do not believe every spirit. This is where it tests everything. Do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see if they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. So that's the encouragement. We're going to finish that up in just a minute, that, that passage. But it says, test the spirits to see if they're from God. See where are they coming from? Is this right? Is this wrong? Because we can believe a lot of stuff, right? We see someone in authority, they say something, and and it's like uh, it must be true. Think about it now. Think about today. And I'm so like jaded now. At this point, I don't know what to believe. When you look at the news, right? You have you have a news. The news come across any post, any headline, anything. I mean, you can get four different views on the same exact statement, and there are four different news stories, and you don't know what to believe. It's really difficult to find out what do we really, what what can we really believe anymore, right? So it's so important for us to pay attention here because it's, people will lead people astray so quickly. I, I, interestingly enough, I got a, uh, I got a phone call today and uh, it said it had caller ID come up and it said um, potential spam or something like that or hazardous spam or something like that. I'm like, wow, that's interesting. And I answered it. And, and it said, uh, yeah, your social security number has been compromised. You need to call us before you know, we take you to jail. And I'm like, okay, hang up. What was encouraging to me is someone had turned it in at some point and, and now they're letting us know at least. Because what happens? People that don't know any better get a phone call from someone, someone saying, saying they're from the IRS. And your social security number has been compromised. And you need to give us a credit card number. What do they do? Uh, they must be an authority. Here's my credit card number and my, my social security number and everything. My birthday. Every, my, here's my property and my deed. Why? Test everything. Double check. Test everything. Hang up and call the IRS yourself. Look up their number. It's probably not the one that called you. I I use this passage on uh, on Sunday, and I I really I've been holding on to this a lot because not only so we've talked about this now that Jesus um, has separated himself, he's contrasting himself and says, "I am, I am what? I am the shepherd, right? I am, I am the true shepherd." And he goes on, he's saying, next part, my sheep hear my voice. It's so important for us to know, my sheep hear my voice. So there has to be an attitude of the heart where we can hear. What, what do you think starts that? What do you think gives us that opportunity to have the attitude of the heart to hear God's voice, to hear, hear the shepherd's voice? Repentance. Okay, repentance, what? The Holy Spirit, yeah. Spending time in prayer, time in prayer. walking in the Spirit. You've got to know the word. What else? I mean, all of these things add up to really one thing. Ask Him, but knowing Him. Just know, you better know His voice. Know Him. That's the Holy Spirit convicting. One of the things I've always, I've mentioned this at times, when I was growing up, my mom and dad were very consistent with how they disciplined and what they said was okay and was not okay. And, and I, I got to that point where I knew my mom and dad so well that when I was in a situation not even around them and something came up, I, what, I, I was like, oh, I know exactly what my parents want me to do right now. I know exactly what my dad would say if I asked him. right? Because there was consistency there and there was discipline there and, and we, we were working towards that. And, and, I, and I can still think about it. I still think about it today. I, I, got to, my, I knew my parents... I knew their will. I knew what they, want, knew what they wanted because I was in relationship with them. And and sometimes as a teenager, it might be hard, right, Joe? You're in, in proximity to your parents all the time. And that's part of the great blessing of life, really. It's a blessing for us to be in relationship with people and get to know them, especially parents who are supposed to be guiding and directing and, and helping us. So I knew that, right? Uh, it, knowing the voice is so important. There's a trust level on that too, right? A trust and a comfort that you, you'd have with somebody. And once you get that, like, yeah, I... I know that. I, not only do I what I know what they say because they say it all the time, but now I'm comfortable with them and I, I want to know. I'm eager to know, I'm hungry to know that. It brings me comfort being the closer I am, it brings me comfort. I think about this with our dog. We have a little mini Australian shepherd, her name's Callie. Cool, cool dog. Really fit our family well. We got her about a year ago. And she when she came to our house, I mean she was she was kind of barky a little bit and you know, like like nervous, and she's kind of a nervous dog. But I tell you what, my wife is like her best friend. Wherever Mathia goes, Callie goes. Like she is wanting to go with Mathia. I, she could be outside, and I and everyone's gone from the house, and I drive up, and she sees me, and she jumps a little bit, and, and I I get, I get in the gate, and she greets me a little bit, but she is kind of jumping and looking. Right, she's looking at the gate. Where's mom? Where's mom? And the kids could come in and run by, and okay, kids are here, great. And she's still looking. Where's mom? She'll even when the gate's open, she'll run out into the driveway and look around, like where, like where is mom getting out of this car? Where, where is she? Right? She, she wants that. And then my wife has this awesome ability with animals, horses, dogs, cats, whatever it is. She has this awesome ability to just communicate and, and, and be comforting to them. And there's this, and, and animals sense that, right? You, you know people that are really nervous around horses are probably the ones that are going to get kicked, right? The ones that are nervous around dogs are going to get bit. When you're a dog person, you're a dog person, right? And, and some people have that, that this sense that the animals know that. But they can, they can talk. And I tell you, my wife, we, we can both go out or I'll go out. And, and maybe Callie, we left the gate open and she ran down to the chicken coop or down to the horse pen. And so we'd call her back, Callie, come. Now most times she'll come back, but sometimes she won't to me. Right? She won't, and I'll try to whistle the way my wife whistles and she won't come. I'll say the same words that she says and it just doesn't work. So my wife will come out the screen door and she'll come out and she'll whistle. and Here's the dog. I'm like, what is going on? I just said the same thing. I just did a set No, I didn't though, right? My dog is a custom her voice. She hears and responds to her voice. And that's so important, that comfort level, that closeness level. And there's a bond there between them, right? And and it it needs to be between us and our Savior, our shepherd as well. We are sheep. He is our shepherd. We have to have that bond with him. So here's the verse I shared on on Sunday. It's Psalm 95, 6 through 8. Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. For he is our God and we are the people of his pasture, the sheep under his care. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Man, we can harden our hearts, can't we? I think my dog kind of hardens her heart sometimes just because she wants Matthias and no one else. Sometimes we we harden our hearts because we want our own preference. We want our own shepherd. We want someone else or something else shepherding our hearts. We're listening to something else. There, there are so many times where, where I, I've seen it in my life and other people's lives where they, they, and Scripture tells us, that people, when they harden their hearts, they will surround themselves with people who will tell them what they want to hear. It's like, I'm going to call all the friends I know that are going to agree with me exactly, and that that's, that's going to make a decision. Really, that's, that doesn't seem very smart to me, right? Why don't you call people who have said, I'll, I will point you to Jesus every time. I mean, I agree with you, but I'll point, I'll point you to Jesus every time. I'll point you to God's Word. I'll, I'll love you compassionately towards Christ. I'll help you come back as lost sheep and come back to the father as a shepherd and get to know him more clearly and plainly. That's so important. So today when you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts with hear his voice. So the sheep respond, they hear his voice when he calls. It's such an important thing to understand. So we see this, he, he uh he calls a sheep, says, truly anyone who doesn't enter through the sheep pen but the gate, climbs in some other way, is a thief and a robber. He's telling them these are the Pharisees. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens it for him, and the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. There are more than just his sheep in the pen. But just like my wife's relationship with our dog, the shepherd's relationship with a sheep is similar, the same. The nuances they get accustomed to, the inferences, the way they sound, the calmness or, 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 or the courage or the strength in their voice. They perk up, they hear, and they come. So a shepherd only comes to the pen, to the gate, and calls his sheep, and his sheep follow his voice. They hear his voice, and they follow his voice. He calls out to his own, and, they, and he leads them out. When he has brought all his, his, uh, his own outside, he goes ahead of them, And the sheep follow him because they know his voice. They'll never follow a stranger. Instead, they will run away from him because they don't know the voice of strangers. Wouldn't it be awesome for us to be in that place where we don't even listen to, hear, or know the voice of strangers? But our hearts are divided at times, aren't they? Our hearts are divided, and we start to look to strangers. We start to look to someone else as the shepherd, and they're all false shepherds. We need to run to Jesus. I want to read the rest of that passage out of First John chapter 4. So, Dear friends, do not believe every spirit. Don't believe every shepherd. Don't believe every false teacher. Don't believe everything around you. But test the spirits to see if they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. This is how you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming, even now is already in the world. You are from God, little children, and you have have conquered them, because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. They are from the world, therefore what they say is from the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God. Anyone who knows God listens to us. Anyone who is not from God does not listen to us. This is how we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of deception. So there is a way to test. There is a way to know. And, and we see that in Scripture here. It, are they pointing you to Jesus? Are they, are they pointing you to obedience to Jesus? Are, 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 is Jesus your sole satisfaction and sufficiency? Or are they saying, no, there's, it's, not, it's not Jesus. It's Jesus plus something else. That's of the Antichrist. That's a deception that we see. And one of the things they say here is that, and I want us to just understand, when he calls his sheep, his sheep hear them and they go outside and they follow him. And he, he goes before them, he says. He leads them out, going ahead of them. Why? Because that means there's going to be safety and security. He's already scouted the place we need to go. And isn't it hard? Why is it hard? Why is it hard to follow the shepherd? Think. Put yourself in... My kids' shoes in the backseat of our car. Why is it hard to follow the shepherd? Why is it hard just to go along? Impatient. We're impatient. We want to lead. Well, they don't have the experience, the experience. They, my kids think they do. Right? Yes. But they don't, they don't have the experience, right? So we like to be backseat drivers. I mean, I'm, I'm like this. I like to know what's going on. I like to know what's ahead, know what's around the corner, and tell everybody this is what's up. I want to make sure you know. I, I like that. And when I'm in the dark, it is not very fun. It's, and, and really, are we in the dark, though? I mean, at times in life we are, but are we in the dark when we're following the shepherd? Not at all. We're in the brightest light there is. And where, where do we think, here, here's what happens. We, when we question where he's going, we're saying, Jesus, I don't really think you've got this figured out all the way. I'm not not convinced that you've scouted on the other side of that mountain. It's a steep mountain. That looks really tough. Do we really have to go up that? He's like, I'm going to lead you to lay down in green pastures. I'm going to lead you beside quiet waters. You're going to find refreshment and safety and security and provision from me. Why won't you just trust me? We're sheep, right? It takes that personal connection with God to know and say, you know what? I'm going to trust. But here's the great thing, is that, that God's sheep are his sheep and no one, no one it says, can, it can snatch them out of his hands. Genuinely saved people, sheep, will always hear and listen and follow Jesus' voice in the end, right? In the middle, we may wander off and have to be led back. And we'll see that in a few weeks too when we see the rod and the staff that comforts us in Psalm 23. But God's sheep are God's sheep, and he will never lose them. Even when we wander off, we will be back right there with him. Now, there are lots who will wander off that were never sheep to begin with. What makes a sheep who is not one of God's sheep follow the shepherd? What makes a sheep who's not who really, does not belong to the shepherd follow the shepherd anyway? Why the other sheep, right? But why? Right. 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 They're not. They're they're looking right here instead of right here. Right. And I want you to think about this with your own life, your own walk with Christ. And I want to think about think about this for your friends as well. There are many people who come in the doors of this church every year. Dozens of dozens of people who come in this church want, wanting, I want to be a sheep. Why? Well, because their friend, who is a sheep, who loves Jesus, is friends. And, and they seem pleasant. And they seem like this is what they're doing. So we're going to go. All those sheep are leaving the pen. I'm going to leave the pen. I never really listened for my shepherd's voice. I'm just going to leave the pen. And I'm going to walk behind these sheep because they look friendly. And the music sounds good. And it, it emotionally stirs my soul. And it satisfies me. So emotionally, I, my emotions are taken care of. And they have good Potlucks. And I like the food. And they're nice people, so I'm going to be a part of what they're doing. And the sheep look to every circumstance and pretend they have life. But those sheep never look to the shepherd who actually gives life and brings life. See, for, for you and I, the challenge has been and always will be, from God to us, stirring in our hearts, drawing us to him in faith. Not to... The pasture. Listen, life is not found in the pasture. Life is found in the shepherd who will lead you to the pasture. Life is not found in the water or the river or the the stream. Life is found in the shepherd who will lead you to that stream for refreshment. Life will always be and has always been found in Jesus alone. They leave the fold on a whim to follow some sheep or hope for some grass. But their hope wasn't in, in, in the shepherd. But the rest of the sheep, the sheep that know his voice, their hope was in the shepherd. So he says this, he says in verse 6, he says, Jesus gave them this figure of speech, but they did not understand what he was telling them. And this is true of a lot of it. He speaks in parables. And, and so those who, who must understand, the sheep understand this, the ones that, that are his, and the ones that are the Pharisees, the ones who are the false teachers. Like, I, I don't get it. What are you saying? You're, are you talking about me or you? I don't, I don't know. So he goes on in verse 7. He said, Jesus said again, Truly I tell you, again, this is really, really important. Listen, I am the gate for the sheep. So not only am I the true shepherd and you're the false one, I'm the gate for the sheep. All who came before me were thieves and robbers, but they, uh, the sheep didn't listen to them. I am the gate. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come so they might have life and have it in abundance. So Jesus says, not only am I a shepherd and I'm the true shepherd, I'm the only way. Your ways have nothing to do with my ways. I am the only way. You can only enter by me and you can only go out through me. And and it's amazing what he says here. What what does that mean? We talk about the fold. I mentioned this a little on Sunday. You have the fold, right? That protective place that he is actually the gate. What would happen is this. Shepherds would oftentimes not go off and have a gatekeeper come protect. The shepherd would come and they would lay in the gate. That's where they would stay that night. They would stay there because they were the ones that they were fully invested. There's other passages, I think it's actually here later on. We see the hired hand gets scared and runs off. The gatekeeper might run away. The shepherd's not going to run away. The shepherd's going to stay there and protect the sheep. He says, I'm, I'm going to protect these sheep. These are my sheep. There's a very, very personal uh, connection here he has. And, and he wants them to know, like, you've missed the mark here. But, and, and I want you know, you're not, you're not the way at all. I'm the way. I'm the one who can lead and guide and save. And Jesus said, I'm truly the only one who can. So he changed this metaphor from the, being a shepherd to being the door of the sheepfold. John 14, 6. What do you say? Jesus said, I am the the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to the Father except through me. There's no other way. The world is searching for all kinds of ways. Oh, this this way will work. No, it won't. The only way to life. You might find a pasture. You might find a stream at some point. You might find some kind of security or safety at some point or, or pleasure, but you'll never find life. You'll never find abundance. You'll never find the hope and joy that only Christ can bring because he is the gate, and he came to save. He said, all who came before me are thieves and robbers. And that doesn't mean all, of course. There's a lot of Israel's spiritual leaders that, that did come before him and led them correctly. You see Nehemiah and Isaiah and Solomon and Ezra and Jeremiah and Ezekiel, Daniel, Moses, many others came before that led God's people in the right way, and God used them to shepherd his people. But there were a lot of corrupt priests, of wicked kings, a lot of false shepherds. He says, you know what, my sheep... They're not gonna listen to that. They're they're gonna hear and wait for my voice. And God has always given us his voice through his word, and that they knew, that they recited, that they, they recalled to mind when they needed it the most. Christ's sheep through Christ, going through Christ, will experience God's love, God's forgiveness. They'll experience God's salvation, God's blessing, God's protection. And they'll never have to fear any harm or danger to their souls because he's the shepherd and overseer of our souls. There's abundance to be had there. We're going to close tonight. I, I'm, there's a great passage of scripture from Hebrews chapter 13. And um, one of the gentlemen in our church 20, year, 20 years ago, who really old guy when I got here, and uh, he, he, uh, they, he moved away with his wife probably five years after I got here and then passed away shortly thereafter. But when he was called on at the end of the church service to pray, he would always pray a portion of this scripture. And it was so appropriate. I just I wanted to use it earlier, but I'm going to use it now uh, in our prayer. So let, would you pray with me? Let's pray. Father, we pray as the, uh, the author of Hebrews prayed as well. We, we ask that may the God of peace who brought us from the dead, our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, equip us with every good to do his will, working in us what is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. God bless you guys. It's a fun night. We'll tackle the rest of the scripture uh, through 21 next week. Have a good night.